0: Welcome to the SBCA podcast, Component Connection. Hello, my name is Sean Shields, and today I'll be your host for this SBCA podcast series, looking at how component manufacturers across the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in today's market. My guest today is Ken Cusera, Vice President of Installed Sales and Manufacturing for 84 Lumber. Ken, thanks for joining us today. Sean, thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. It's great to be here with you. Well, Ken, I'd like to start by briefly asking you to share your career at 84 Lumber. How did you get into your current position as the head of manufacturing for the company?
1: Well, I started with 84 in 2001 in our manager trainee program and um, came up in the store uh, system. But I had an opportunity to actually learn how to run job sites. And 84 Lumber at that time, uh, where I came up in the Cleveland market, had a panel facility in our Macedonia store. and. That store was one of the first to do installed sales. It was really to support the transaction of a panel sale um, where a customer said, you can build me panels, uh, but you've got to install them. So um, I was able to jump in to manage that program in 2003 and really cut my teeth on what it means to do installed sales in a lumberyard setting. Fast forward to 2007. We want to expand the program nationally. Uh, Had an opportunity to uh, become the framing program manager. In that role, uh, the expectation was that we would develop policies and procedures and expertise in doing residential uh, installed sales, uh, where you basically would sell the material from the yard, uh, components through a manufacturing facility, uh, and put it together. So as that progressed and as that spread, for 84 Lumber installed sales has been a major um, part of what we do. We do it in about 160 uh, of our 260 some facilities across the country. It can be you know, installing windows and other things, but um, it's a very widely adopted program on behalf of our managers, so uh, that's been key. So everything that I do in framing has a engineered product if not a component truss or wall panel or floor truss system and you know, you step back and you say, well, I'm working with these people uh, in these manufacturing facilities every day. We're talking about schedule, we're talking about submittals, we're talking about uh, issues, we're talking about delivery Um, and so uh, you really develop a deep relationship when you're the framer uh, with a good component manufacturer and that's how I've always viewed myself as a framer. So, you know, The opportunity came about to naturally draw those two departments underneath a grouping uh, that I'm able to lead, and it really was a no-brainer. So um, a lot of folks that are in my install program, you know, came from the manufacturing setting, and hopefully some from the install world will go into manufacturing. I just think it's a very healthy uh, cross-connection to really just bring home the point um, of how important this is to the builder to get the labor and the manufacturing piece right.
0: Ken, the question I would like to follow up with is you have this installed sales practice or I don't know if I should call a division or just, you know, a part of your business. That also isn't something that most independent component manufacturers do. Um, what would you say is the biggest advantage to having that option at your disposal for your component manufacturing plants?
1: The feedback? Um, So I think some manufacturers are challenged with the framer that works for the builder and feedback um, not coming back uh, timely or completely to the manufacturer. Sometimes it could be adversarial. So I think that what we ensure uh, when we do the installation piece is to complete that loop. You know, So, so we're involved, you know, all the way through, Something didn't go right. Well, our job site managers are dialoguing with their framers on site every day. They bring that back to our manufacturer uh, partners and say, hey, you know, something didn't work. Let's track it back and find it. So that constant feedback loop, um, you can get there when you're not doing framing. And a lot of what we do is not turnkey. And that's fine. It just takes you longer to get that rapport with the customer's framer. Um, where if we're in a market where we're doing turnkey, um, it's 84 associates telling 84 associates advocating for our customer, right? Um, and if our customer knows we just fixed the issue and we're not going to have an issue moving forward, that's, that's a great service.
0: Hmm. I like that. So, Ken, you've touched upon this. I'm curious if you could go a little bit more in depth as to, you know, where does component manufacturing, so the the manufacturing of roof trusses, wall paths and floor trusses, where does that fit in sort of 84 Lumber's overall business operations? How do they view uh, components as part of, you know, their overall sales?
1: We view it as an instrument to grow sales in our stores. So we say oftentimes that a component uh, facility's opportunity is to help grow the company sales uh so the, yes the plant you know if it's successful it, it attains its budgetary levels but if it's really successful what it does is if it gets multiple pma category sales in the store so you know i sell trusses to the customer uh to a customer today but they're buying windows and doors and trim from our uh, our retail partner so we view the manufacturing piece as what completes a market um, and so, where we don't have facilities, we're always looking. If we have successful markets uh, where our stores are performing well, we have great sales staff. We want to look at the dynamic of component manufacturing. Say, is there a place for eighty-four lumber to get into that market and then to become a real player in that given market? So, we see it as a completion to a market where we have existing stores to support those stores to grow more.
0: Excellent. So you're scattered across the country, mostly. Um east of the Mississippi, but so there's probably a little variance in this, but I'm interested. You said that, you know, your component plants sell primarily through, well, they sell through your retail locations. Do you mostly sell component packages directly to builders? Do you mostly sell them to general contractors? Is it just through you, like your framing arm, or is it all of those? Who do you primarily sell to? Uh,
1: it's, across the country, it will be different. Um, we've had manufacturing facilities in the West before the, uh, The housing recession um and and in fact those markets we're looking at to say when is it right to re-enter those markets but to your point we're we're strongest um in that you know east of the mississippi um more or less territory so we sell to if if it's a framers market in other words a a turnkey framer or carpenter contractor market um i typically will not do labor in those markets uh, but we will want to sell to those companies so we do framer direct sales um, where we have uh, the prevalence of national builder customers, we go direct. So, you know, we're able to bring our, our sales associates in on that, but we transact with those direct. Um, but we sell to builders, remodelers, homeowners. I mean, 84 components started with, you know, under trusty trust as a manufacturing outlet to provide um, trusses for our garage packages and mini barns we had sold in our store. So um, we'd like to focus on all of it. It's just different by plan.
0: So that's interesting, Kent. So you sell to a lot of different uh customer types, um and so I would imagine that you uh sell slightly different benefits or you talk about components in slightly different ways depending on who the audience is because their needs are slightly different uh, One of the things that's talked about a lot is um you know the value add that components can provide, and I'm curious if you'd spend a few moments just talking about from your perspective. Um, how you sell components as a value added product, or do you have a tendency in some markets of just selling it sort of as a um, sort of just a, a package that you're including with you know your other products that you're trying harder to sell?
1: Sure um, it's a value add I believe that a component transaction relationship with a builder where you're selling components to me as a framer There's got to be trust there. So the value add comes in the the investment in the relationship, whether that's just design and submittal and approval process, or it's just talking through um, how to take a builder who's stick framing into the the world of a trust roof or, or panelization at conversion. There's got to be trust there. Um, If it's just about price, that's not a value add. But I think if you can go into a builder and continue to bring savings to the table where you're either, you know, doing advanced framing techniques or you're looking at how the truss package uh, relates to the whole load path of the, of the home if you're using engineered um, um, floor systems. I think that coming back to the table, you know, with observations or calcs and that, and that builder um, seeing, you know, doing the multiplication, right? I want to build 200 homes if I save 100 per, you know, that's a value for me. So I think it's constantly bringing back, and that's incumbent upon the general manager of the facility to work really well with their design managers, um, and then you know just ask the question, hey, what are you seeing for this builder? What do we have to bring to them? I think that's a, that's a powerful uh, relationship. And it's a great way to sell, and the value is retained by all parties uh, at the table.
0: Let's stop for a second, and I want to give our listeners, just a sense for scope. So uh, 84 Lumber, currently you have 10 component manufacturing operations and three dedicated wall panel plants, correct?
1: Yeah, we'll be opening our 10th location in Mansfield, Ohio in July.
0: Excellent. So that represents some recent growth, but you have plans on doing a a lot more aggressive growth in the future. Um, What do you see going on in the marketplace right now or within 84 Lumber that's really prompting you to take this opportunity to expand your component manufacturing operations?
1: We see continued strength in the market. I think uh, our industry, along with the rest of uh, humanity, is concerned about COVID 19. And I think you know you you look at the business and, and where that goes and, and right now it's been strong and it's projected to continue to do so um you know we're we are in development stages of our richmond uh component plant which will do trusses floors and wall panels um the market is strong and it continues to build we're actively working on that uh, on that site to bring it to readiness towards the end of this year i am interested in going back as i said into markets where we have great store operations um, and supporting those sales associates with, with the manufacturing facility. And our owner feels uh, the, the same way. So um, I, I guess what I'd say is we're going to go back and recheck our performance to see um, what markets you want to be in and, and kick the tires again. But we're committed to continue on this path to support our store's growth by going into strong markets for 84 and putting manufacturing in place.
0: So, Ken, I think it's interesting. I mean, most of your component manufacturing plants do roof trusses and floor trusses currently, but you've already said you sort of have this healthy and sort of aggressive approach towards wall panels, and that's not common amongst most component manufacturers across the country. Can you talk a little bit about um, where either what construction sectors or what regions of the country you are having the most success with wall panels and why do you think that is? What do you believe is 84 Lumber's formula for making wall panels successful?
1: Uh, Success in wall panels starts with uh, design. I think that a wall panel designer comes to the table with unique skills. They really do have to think like a, a framer um, and the best uh, wall panel designers seem to have that trait. So I think if you commit to your panel designers, that's first, or you commit to growing panel designers. But in the design space, your panel designers are of critical uh, importance. You know, so in our Pittsburgh market, in our Cleveland market, in our Columbus, Ohio market, in our Cincinnati market, we do a lot of multifamily. These will be buildings of 50,000 to 150,000 square feet. Um, and and it carries great reward, but it carries risk. And so, if I'm doing installation on those projects, um, we manage everything we do. So, I have a site manager um, with a trade partner, and we go to execute. The challenge is the size, right? So, how much goes on the site? You have 30 to 40 carpenters. Um, is that the best risk to take? And so, we look at panels and say, site conditions, control of material. The pre-planning that goes into it, that seems like a no-brainer to us. And what we're able to do in the in the multifamily space is work in all those silos and make it work for the customer um, and say, okay, here's a package A, here's package B. And, you know, decrease cycle time, work with your site conditions, getting the, the curtain wall uh, installed faster for safety. It just seems to make sense. In residential Um, I think about Nashville. I mean, that's a market where um, panel sales and production for 84 lumber has been strong for years, uh, and we do install those panels. So I think where panelization works best for 84 is markets where we are also handling the labor um, so that we're able to bring feedback to the design. We're able to make sure that the design works in the field and our customers can focus on, you know, more starts across their subdivisions.
0: So it's one of those where you're really able to have the conversation of there might be a higher per unit cost, but you're going to increase volume to the point where over the course of time you're going to make a lot more money because you're doing a lot more projects. Yes,
1: and I think you know having framers able and willing to do panelized wall systems is key. So if we go into a market with panel capabilities that also is willing to do turnkey, by definition, we have to have panel framers. So, what we're able to do is help the customer, you know, do the math. I think you got to go right at that value proposition. You got to go right at it and say, okay, the framer, you know, cost of panelization is X. Uh, you know, field built stick framing goes for Y, and then you work on that delta. You just really work on that and you put a lot of things on the table. It's almost like a total cost um, conversation with your customer. There's, you know, many things outside of 84s, purview, site conditions, general conditions of the customer. But there is a savings in cycle time. There is a savings in waste. And there's a a saving of of the waste factor that you put into a stick list um, just to account for site material usage. So once you put all those things on the table and you, you know, if you're 84, you add management into the field. Uh, you guarantee that package. Um, that's able to convert customers to panelized wall systems.
0: Ken, do you think that your background, or eighty-four lumber in general, eighty-four lumber's background in installed sales, has helped with that sales approach? Because you really know how to speak the language and what to focus on. Or do you think it's anyone can can do that? Any component manufacturer can can make that sale.
1: I think you can teach, and of course, you know, we do that in markets that dictate and require it, but I think many people that are in the um, sales, right, they're the relationship holders the customers. I think that the best ones seem to be the ones that put themselves in their customer shoes. So if you're talking to a builder, the best, uh, you know, component to sales representative, if you use that uh, title, are the ones that think about, Site conditions. Think about um, you know stacking the trusses and in, in the packs when the, how the framer is going to use them when they shake them out. Thinks about total cost um, and can really you know deal with that builder looking through the same lens. I don't think it has to be overly specialized. I think you know the best is when a store sales representative brings his component um, sales rep with him to go see a customer. Uh, because the sales rep in our model supports that source salesperson, um, subject matter expert, right? And we do that with the other lines uh, that we sell, which is, hey, if salesperson wants to go see a customer and talk about uh, the trust sales process, what goes into it, what's the value? So that's that's really the model we try and build is help our associates with their customers. If you look back You know, multiple months into that, that store sales associate is very experienced and can start doing more on their own. And that's how you scale.
0: Ken, I want to talk a little bit about your position. You're overseeing sort of this manufacturing at at least 10 well, to 13 different locations, manufacturing locations, uh, and that will be expanding in the future here. Like, what's your role? What's your responsibility? And you know, what does it look like on a daily or weekly basis? How how are you interacting with these different locations?
1: (laughs) First thing is get out of the way. You're laughing. It's different every day, right? Well, you've got to get out of the way. And it is different every day. I wake up uh, most days with a plan. And uh, I say, you know, we build sandcastles. We build a plan and then the tide comes in and knocks our castle down. And what you got to do is get up the next day and just build another castle. So, So we're a bottom-up company, so my responsibility, my obligation is to support anybody, whether that's install, whether that's multifamily or engineered wood products or components, um, whatever I am asked to support and say, what can I help you with? And it can be really simple on some days. It can be um, more challenging. So um, you just have to wake up every day and you call everybody that uh, that you're supporting and, and ask them, what are they, you know, what are you getting into and what can I help you with and really mean that. And that's what I try and do every day and get the list uh, and, and go and uh, and go and get it cleared up. Um, I like to work on an agenda format with, with individuals. So I like to get to know the people and say, you know, what are your goals for yourself? What are your goals for your facility? Uh, what are your goals for your associates in your facility? Always looking for people to promote uh, to different facilities. Hey, that the production manager, he's really good. You know, could he be a plant manager for us? Would he move to another location? So you're looking for talent as well. So associate development, um, that's the best part of the job is our associates, is, you know, traveling to their facilities, um, letting them tell you about their business, let them tell you about their challenges, asking where you can help. Um, that's a good day for me.
0: Ken, okay, it sounds like, you know, from that description, that uh, 84 Lumber treats each of its manufacturing locations sort of as an independent um, entity. You're not necessarily trying to require each all of those facilities to operate in exactly the same way.
1: They have the same um, expectations of, you know, how to treat their associates. Um, they have the same financial documents and key performance indicators, but they're in different markets. I mean, I think that You know, they could be 80 percent similar, uh, you know, between two plants. But once you get to three plants, that that percentage drops way down. So, you know, it's really talking to the associates say, tell me about Indianapolis. What's the market? Who are the players? Where do we want to be? What's our, you know, declare a major. Do we want to go after multifamily? Do we want to go after custom? Do we want to go after production? Do we want to go after all of it? you know, you let the general manager of that facility and the store operations lead in that market tell you what their goals are. Um, And then the facility itself can staff to that, can design to that, can truck to that. Um, It really wraps its arms around that market, if you will, and says, okay, we're here to make you more successful in these stores. So this is what Indianapolis looks like.
0: So uh, another question, and this is is sort of uh, asking you to look a little bit into your crystal ball but as you look forward, you know, five to 10 years of, of being in this position and the growth that you sort of see uh, over the next few years, um, there's all this talk currently about off-site construction. You know, everyone is pushing towards more off-site construction. And really, it seems that what that's predicated on is trying to reduce the amount of job site labor, not only in quantity, but also the required skill set that labor uh, in the field needs to have. What do you see, or how do you see 84 Lumber benefiting from that movement over the next 10 years? What, what would success look like in your mind when it comes to 84 Lumber really seizing upon that opportunity, that, the attention to that um, that offsite construction uh, mentality today?
1: Well, a lot of the offsite construction conversations um, around it feel today to drive back to specifiers. Um, and I think that for many off-site solutions and visions today the requirement is that specs are more um, uniform across builders or across uh, product lines I think that's why you see some of the early practitioners of closed wall offsite site panelization focusing on that multifamily space and so we see in that segment I want to continue to work with 84 to get us to offering uh, potentially mechanical systems installed in open wall panels, um, if not having you know, a, a prepared wall panel for mechanical trades. Um, but I think the offsite, what it does is it gives the builders of today a roadmap. Um, whether or not they go to full offsite modular units um, trained in at the site or just go to a, a wall panel system, it adds manufacturing volume into various markets. So um, that's the first step for change, right? You have to have enough panel facilities to support builders to convert. Um, I'm impressed with the folks that are are leading that as innovators. I think that um, for me, it does come down to the cost and there's costs inherent today and those change. Um, The labor is a huge driver of that so I think there's inflection points that we're going to reach where we have to be prepared as an industry. Um, if We're going to continue to build houses. And let's say the framer capacity is not increased or um, the quality of those framers does not uh, scale. We're going to be at a very expensive uh, crossroads there. So what I'm looking to do with 84 is to make sure that, again, where we're at in the markets that we're in, have these programs and these systems working together. In um, telling the story to our customers, so that when they're ready we're ready,
0: so can you raise an interesting point? Um, I mean one of the keys to successfully converting uh, the construction industry to offsite construction is to be able to successfully shift the labor burden from the job site into the manufacturing facility so that's predicated on on eighty four lumber doing a good job at attracting employees that can uh, produce the products at the speed with the efficiency and at the quality that you expect and that your customers expect can you talk just very briefly about sort of how 84 lumber is currently attempting to do that and you know what plans you have for the future if you've had to think very far ahead how how do you attract the right employees and, and have enough staffing in each of your facilities
1: It's a constant, you know, it's the thing we talk about in the mornings. It's the things we talk about at the end of the day. You know, is there enough work for our associates to come? Do we have a a schedule out ahead of them? Um, And I think that if you, again, treat your production associates as the most important people in a facility. Um, You know, when I go to a plant, I want to go right to the production floor. I want to greet everybody or ask them if they need anything. But the point would be if we create an environment as a company in those facilities where those associates are able to earn an income because we've gone out and gotten the work you ask them for friends you ask them for um recommendations in, in other words they bring people uh, that they know to the table when they're working for a well-run facility so we find our best uh we have programs inside of our company for that where we reward associates for referrals but you know if it's good for them they'll bring in other associates to become production associates as well.
0: Well, Ken, thank you for taking the time today to join us on our podcast.
1: I appreciate it. I enjoyed it.
0: I'd also like to thank our listeners for spending this time with us and hopefully getting some insight into how to capitalize on today's and tomorrow's market opportunities. Thank you for listening to SBCA's podcast, Component Connection. We are committed to bringing you a variety of information via this podcast. Please email your feedback or suggestions for future topics to podcast at sbcindustry.com.